Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. The renminbi has had a rough ride since its inclusion in the SDR basket of elite currencies last year, and the turmoil on China's stock exchanges since the beginning of 2016 has rocked global markets. Tom Mitchell and Gabriel Wildau say international investors are demanding more transparency over Beijing's intentions, and there are concerns about the execution of reforms and the lack of financial talent in the Communist Party hierarchy. The story of the market panic is narrated by Tom, and additional reporting was provided by Wan Li and Christian Shepherd. China's market regulator had a chance to explain itself on Friday, January 8th, at the end of a week that had seen self-inflicted turmoil in the country's stock exchanges rock international markets for the second time since July. Amid complaints that global markets, which had their worst start to the year for two decades, needed more guidance on China's intentions, there are also rumors that Xiao Gan, chairman of the China Securities Regulatory Commission, could lose his job. Rather than address either subject, however, the CSRC instead used the weekly press conference to discuss its role in a Communist Party initiative to promote development of the agricultural sector and poverty alleviation. To global investors who increasingly take their daily trading cue from China's economic data and market moves, the response to the turmoil looked farcical. To Chinese investors, it passed for governance as usual in the world's second largest economy. The market turmoil, exacerbated by a shift in the Chinese central bank's management of the renminbi, begs the question of whether the opaque party state is fit for purpose when it comes to managing one of the world's most pivotal financial markets and delivering the level of transparency expected by the international community. It has also raised doubts about whether the team assembled by President Xi Jinping who has consolidated power more rapidly than any Chinese ruler since Deng Xiaoping in the 1980s, is capable of executing the country's much larger reform program, of which market regulation and currency policy are just two parts. Arthur Krober at GavCal Dragonomics, a Beijing-based consultancy, argues that, for all their faults, Xi's predecessors consistently gave domestic and foreign investors confidence that over time there would be more space for markets in the private sector. She has failed to live up to this history. At the most basic level, we have no idea whether he understands what modern markets require or how he proposes to reconcile their demands with the Leninist, Confucianist paternalism he is imposing on the rest of society. Even analysts at state-owned banks were left scratching their heads. CICC analysts Xiang Rongyu and Hong Liang wrote last week, Because of China's lack of policy communication over the path towards the new float regime, Exchange rate flexibility has become a major source of uncertainty rather than a cushion against external shocks. The renminbi's fluctuations could raise risk premiums over the global market, leading to sizable asset reallocation and complicating the U.S. decision to hike interest rates. The day before the CSRC briefing, 
a disastrous new circuit breaker championed by Mr. Xiao, had stopped trading for the day after just 29 minutes. But state television did not mention either the crash or the day's other big news, the global jitters stemming from the renminbi's rapid depreciation against the dollar. Instead, China Central Television's main evening bulletin led with Mr. Xi chairing a meeting on the development of a so-called Yangtze River Economic Zone and visiting the People's Liberation Army's 13th Group Army in Chongqing. There, he lauded tales of Red Army soldiers' heroism and sacrifices under their revolutionary hero, Mao Zedong. He said, quote, It vividly shows what it means to follow the party with an iron heart. Such discipline, according to Mr. Xi, also involves knowing when to keep your mouth shut. In November, the party issued guidelines barring its 88 million members from, quote, improper discussion. Newspaper editors, professors, and police chiefs have since been sacked for not towing Mr. Xi's line on issues as diverse as the party's handling of ethnic unrest in the region of Xinjiang and pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. Rodney Jones at Wigram Capital, an economic advisory company, says, To address these sorts of challenges, you want a society that's debating, discussing, and charting a path towards a resolution. You want engagement. But no one in China can discuss the country's challenges, apart from a selected few. Unlike his predecessors, Mr. Xi does not have a standout financial or economic czar with clear authority. The man with the richest financial and economic experience at the top of the party hierarchy, Wang Qishan, has been diverted to lead the president's signature anti-corruption campaign. Andrew Pope, Beijing-based economist for the conference board, says, Party rule has always been the number one priority. We all know that. But under Xi Jinping, the distance between the political agenda and the economic one has widened. I think that's reflected in the fact there isn't an economic heavyweight. Responsibility for the economics brief nominally falls to Premier Li Keqiang, but in terms of economic experience, he pales in comparison to the likes of Zhu Rongji, who drove through landmark reforms as vice premier and premier in the 1990s. Mr. Li's predecessor, Wen Jiabao, was similarly inexperienced, but at least had Mr. Wang serving under him as a vice premier. By contrast, the most senior of China's four current vice premiers is Zhang Gaoli, known for his borrow-and-build-now-repay-later approach to economic development, while party boss in the port city of Tianjin. One of Mr. Xi's top aides, Liu He, is often cited as being one of the country's most powerful economic officials. However, he sits only on the Central Committee, the fourth highest party organ, while his official government title is Vice Minister at the National Development and Reform Commission, the former state planning agency. This makes Mr. Liu more of an influential advisor to the president than a power broker in his own right. The impression of a vacuum at the top in terms of economic leadership was reinforced by the degree to which the central bank's new currency policy seemed to exacerbate the selling pressure on the country's stock market. In the summer, the CSRC and the People's Bank of China managed to spark, respectively, a market crisis in July and currency confusion in August. Last week, the two institutions contributed to a market and currency panic on the same day, January 7th. In other economies, markets can at least look to independent and powerful central banks for direction in times of crisis. But the PBOC and its governor, Zhou Xiaochuan, have nothing like the independence and power of their international counterparts and have been humbled over the past week. The PBOC reports to Mr. Li's state council. Mr. Zhou, who turned 68 later this month and has been in charge of the PBOC since 2002, secured one of the biggest prizes of his career in November when the International Monetary Fund recognized 
The renminbi is an official reserve currency under its special drawing rights, or SDR, regime. If its path to SDR inclusion was bumpy, the renminbi has had an even rougher ride since. In August, the PBOC announced what it said was a one-off, 2% devaluation, in a move aimed at making the currency more market-driven, a key condition for SDR status. Many international investors interpreted the move as the first shot in a new currency war, and it took two days for the central bank to brief the media to calm the situation. By then, the damage had been done, with global markets tanking and selling pressure on the renminbi intensifying. Over the rest of 2015, the central bank used hundreds of billions of dollars from the country's foreign exchange reserves to slow the renminbi's depreciation. But within weeks of winning SDR approval, and with the cost of supporting the currency unsustainable, the PBOC signaled that investors should instead focus on the currency's performance against a basket of 13 currencies. Before that message had been fully absorbed, the central bank stepped back and watched as the renminbi fell 1.5% against the dollar in the first week of trading in January, a sharp move for the carefully managed currency that again scared Chinese and international investors alike. Zhou Zhang, a veteran financial executive, argues that the PBOC, for years a proponent of renminbi strength against the dollar, didn't appreciate how its adjustment would be interpreted abroad. He says, quote, The global reaction to China's tinkering of the currency in August was dramatic, and that caught Beijing by surprise. They thought a 2% adjustment wasn't a big deal. They hadn't anticipated the reaction. That could, in turn, curb the drive for reform, while Hao Hong, chief China strategist at Bank of Communications International, thinks that Chinese policymakers need to proceed slowly with capital account reform given the risk of capital flight. He also believes that they erred by missing the opportunity to do it earlier when depreciation and outflow pressures were much weaker. Mr. Hong says, quote, It's a matter of timing. When the renminbi is substantially overvalued and the property market is substantially overvalued, people want to get out of here. If you reform now, it will give people the impression that you are losing control. By the end of last week, the PBOC sounded as tone-deaf as the CSRC. It initially blamed speculative forces for the renminbi's recent falls against the dollar and rounded out the week with a long review of the, quote, fruitful results it had achieved under the leadership of the party and the state council. Some party and government officials recognize that China now has a public relations problem when it comes to financial policy and are working to remedy the deficiency. In a rare background briefing for foreign media last month, one senior government official admitted that, quote, there is a need to do a better communication job with the rest of the world because what we do really affects the rest of the world. But progress is slow. Mr. Polk at the conference board says, some people within the central bank say, listen, we need to get better at communication, but it's really hard based on the way we make policy. Then you have other people in the PBOC who say we don't necessarily need any more transparency. So the message is all over the place even in terms of whether or not there should be better messaging.